Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The night before, how many times? This happened to me a ton of times. The night before, you think, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to have my devotion, my prayer time. I'm going to start doing devotions and start praying. Tomorrow morning comes, what happens? You get up, you start doing devotion, and you start reading the Bible, and you just have this great time with just you and the Lord, and you're just reading, and then you pray, and then you go off to work. How many times have you done that and had a better day? A lot. We all have. You just have a better day. What happened? Did the people in the office get nicer? Don't count on it. But what happened is your attitude, your heart has changed toward them. So you have a better day. How many times it happened on Sunday morning? You come to church on Sunday morning. You sing some songs of worship and you listen to a sermon and you meet some nice people and you leave the church shining for the Lord. How many times has that happened? Your attitude is better. You're, you're, you're loving people more and loving Jesus more. And you're more patient with your family. And you're more patient with your friends. And you're even patient with traffic. Traffic? Yeah. Going home from church? Somebody cut you off? Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> They're yelling at you and waving at you with one finger. And you're like... Oh, they just need Jesus. Lord, just go with them. You know, you left here shining full of the Lord, having a great life. And then Monday, you're a little less bright, a little less shining. And then Tuesday, you're even less shining. And then Wednesday comes and you're on your way to church. And you've gone from less shining to just dull. And you're on your way to church. Somebody cuts you off. You jerk. What are you doing? And you, and you try to catch up with them. You ever do that? And then you get up to them. And then you go around them. And then you give them the stare. You go. And you've got your I love Jesus bumper sticker on the back of your car. It's like, look, take your I love Jesus bumper sticker off the car. You're making people's lives miserable here. But what happened? But you spend time with the Lord and your life's better and your heart's better because as you spend time with him, you start to look more like him. And so you're on the church, on your way to church. You had a bad drive on the way to church. You get in the house of the Lord. You get in the presence of the Lord. And Thursday morning, what happens? You wake up full of the joy of the Lord. Well, that's why I joke about it, but I'm really, really serious. Midweek service is so very important for the Christian. It just gets me over the 
hump. It almost feels like a bath almost. You know, you're out in the world, you're working, and it's, ah. You get in here on Wednesday night. Amazing love, how can it be? You, my king, would die for me, you know. And then you go out after you worship the Lord on Thursday, and it's just better. And your life is just better. So this angel could have very well be an angel that looks like Jesus because he has been in the presence of the Lord. Would you take note with me? Notice the angel puts his feet on the ocean and on the land. We brought that point out. That tells us what? Number one, this is a really big angel. Really big. I mean, bigger than anybody you've seen at Gold's Gym. I mean, this is like a super huge, humongous angel. He puts his feet on the land and on the sea. Now, what does that speak of? If you're taking notes, it speaks of taking over. The world has been under the control of Satan, the God of this world, long enough. Here the Lord is saying, I am putting my foot down. It is over. Well, not only the appearance of the angel, but our second point this morning, the announcement of the angel in verses four through seven. We just read it when this angel cries out with a loud voice as if a lion roars when he cried out seven thunders uttered their voice. Notice this angel cries out so loud. It sounds like the roar of a lion. Now, I've never been up close and personal with a lion when it roars. But I am told, matter of fact, a brother told me between services, he said, when a lion roars and you're up close and personal, it's bone chilling. And some of you know, if you've been, you know, near a lion. Now, I, I don't want to be near a lion when, it, when it's roaring and trying to eat me. But, but, but it's bone chilling. And when a lion roars as he's looking at his prey, he actually roars to startle his prey. So that he can pounce on them, kind of upsets them, shakes them up, startles them, and then he pounces on them and he eats them. Notice the angel cries out so loud, it sounds like the roar of a lion. Then this should forever erase that picture of cute little angels floating around. And I should get, get rid of that picture. Not all angels do that. Eugene Peterson, a noted theologian and Bible teacher, described this angel as vast, fiery, Sea-striding creatures with hell in their nostrils and heaven in their eyes. Notice John hears the thunder and starts to write down what he hears. But notice John is told to stop in verse four. Notice John didn't write it down. He was told to stop. Now, what did the voice say? What was John writing? Good question. We don't know and we probably will never know. Because John was told not to write. Do not write them. Now, amazing enough, people never cease to amaze me. People love to speculate as to what John wrote. Why would you speculate as to what John wrote when, in fact, the Bible tells us that God said, stop writing. Write nothing. Don't write. There was this guy, believe true, this guy wrote a book, The Seven Sayings of the Seven Thunders. What's up with that? What was on the pages, blank pages in this book? Write nothing. And what was more amazing is people actually bought a lot of copies of this book. People. Unbelievable. 
John was told not to write anything down. Seal up the sayings of the seven thunders and do not write them. We do not know what was written. John knows and God knows. And that's okay. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Write that down. Look it up in your own time. It says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. You know, some people are bothered and bugged because they don't understand everything in the Bible. They have questions. I was talking to a guy not long ago, and I said, hey, would you like to receive Christ? Oh, well, you know, not yet. I've got some questions, he said. And when I get my questions answered, he said, then I'll be willing to give my life to Christ. I'm like, well, you will probably never become a Christian because God is under no obligation to answer your questions. The secret things belong to the Lord. There are a lot of things that we don't understand, and that's okay. There's a lot about God I don't understand. There's a lot about the Trinity I don't understand. The eternity I don't understand. God's plan, God's sovereignty, these things I don't understand. And quite frankly, they don't bug me, they bless me. Because it tells me that God is God. And because God is God, then, then it's impossible for me to know everything about God. It's impossible to understand all that God is doing. God is bigger than us, and we cannot figure out God. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his thoughts, and his ways are past finding out. As the heavens, Isaiah said, are higher than the earth, so are my ways, God says, higher than your ways. God's just bigger than you. God's God. And don't be upset if you can't understand everything about God. You should be blessed because that is the very thing that makes him God. The fact is you can't understand everything. D.L. Moody was asked about a certain passage of scripture and they said, Mr. Moody, how do you explain this? And Moody said, I don't know. Well, how do you interpret it? I don't. Well, how do you understand it? I don't understand it, Moody said. Well, then what do you do with it? I believe it. Amen. Amen. I just believe it. You either believe it or you don't. Believe it or you don't. Moody understood that. Psalm 131, David, he wrote this. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too proud for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a baby with its mother. I am at peace like a baby with its mother. Isn't that a beautiful verse? What is more peaceful than a baby with its mother? Some of you guys might know Nicole and Jeff Anderson. You guys know Nicole and Jeff Anderson. They had their baby I think, was it, was it Saturday morning or Friday? Friday, Saturday-ish, they had their baby. And, uh, and uh, she is the fattest, cutest, chunky monkey I have ever seen. She's a cute 10 pounds. I saw her, I went, oh, mother, I am so sorry. You poor woman, 10 pounds. So I get to the hospital, and Jeff is, and you guys know Jeff. Jeff's from California, kind of long hair, California guy. And I get to the hospital. Jeff's in the lobby. I walk up to Jeff, and I said, hey, Jeff. He goes, hey, old pastor, I had a baby. I went, 
Yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh, she's a girl. Blah, 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 blah. He, and I said, well, well, can I see her? See the mom? And, you know, he says, well, just a minute. I'll go check. So he turns around. He walks in into this room. And the next thing I hear is, ah! And Jeff comes out. He walked into the wrong mother's room. And he comes out and he goes, to, and Jeff's from California, you know, California dude, California surfing guy, you know, you guys know. And Jeff comes out, he goes, dude, dude, I can't, oh, dude, 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 I can't believe I just did that. Man, I just, oh, dude, 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 oh, dude, gnarly dude. And I'm like, you know, he's just tripping and I'm, and I'm cracking up. I am just cracking up. You know, he's so embarrassed. And then he goes into his wife's room and he comes back. I said, well, Jeff, you know, go check and see if I can, we can get on with this. You know, go check and see if I can see her. So he goes in, he comes back out and he says, um, okay, yeah, you can go in. And so I go in. And mom is laying there, and she's holding her baby. And I'm telling you guys, it was one of those moments where everything goes black, and the lights just shine down on the mom and the baby. And, it's, Whoa! and I come walking in. Oh, and everything. The baby is so cute. Look at her. Oh, she's the biggest, chunkiest baby. She's got the cutest cheeks. I wanted to kiss him, but she was only 18 hours old, so I thought I'd keep my lips to myself. And she's the cutest baby. And what was more peaceful, what could be more peaceful than to just see a mom who's holding a baby? That baby is just trusting the mom. That baby is just believing the mom. That baby's not arguing with mom. That baby's not, it's just trusting. Now, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Where are you going to get milk from? Huh? And what about my college education? You got money for that. I want to go to a good college. Ha, 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 ha. No. The baby's just in the arms of mom, just kind of laying there and just kind of wrapped tight like a little burrito and just... And just trusting mom. And that's what the Lord wants from us. Our Lord doesn't want us to argue with him and don't believe what he's saying. The Lord just wants us to simply trust him. And just keep humble before him. Humility and depending on him. Well, notice not only the appearance of the angel, the announcement of the angel, but our last and final point this morning, the appropriation of the book. In verses 8 through 11, we just read that. Now notice the angel shining and proclaiming the good news. No more delays and no more mysteries. And John is told to take the book that is in the hand of the angel and eat it. And eat it. Now, does that sound odd? Sound strange? It shouldn't. But we say it all the time. How many times have you read a good book and you said, man, I read that. I devoured that book. Man, that book was awesome, man. I just ate it up. I just ate it up. I love that book. How many times would we do that? Yeah, figuratively, yes, we do say that. But John is commanded by the angel to literally eat the book. And when he does, it is sweet as honey in his mouth and bitter in his belly. Sweet and bitter. Sweet. I thought of Chinese food, by the way. Sweet and sour. Sweet and bitter, both. Now, the Bible, several, many passages in the Bible liken the word of God to food. 
If you're taking notes, Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is compared to bread. First Peter chapter two, verse two, desire the sincere milk of the word. You see, the word of God is compared to milk. Hebrews chapter five talks about the meat of the word. It's compared to meat. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Again, in Psalm 19, verse 9 and 10, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous together. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So the Bible makes it clear that the word of God is sweet. But notice John says it is also bitter in the stomach. It's bitter and sweet. And is that not true of the word of God? It is bitter and the word of God is also sweet. And we like the sweet part of the word of God. Oh, we like to hear about the promises of God to us. It's sweet to hear about the end times. It's sweet to hear about heaven. It's sweet to hear that Jesus is going to deliver us from the tribulation. It is sweet to hear that your sins are forgiven. But the Bible's also bitter. Oh, it's a bitter pill to swallow when you start dealing with difficult subjects, when, Bible, when the Bible calls sin, sin, when the Bible says that fornication is sin, when the Bible says that adultery is sin, when the Bible says that living together is sin, when the Bible deals with those difficult areas, those things become bitter in the belly. And when you digest the word, let me tell you, when you truly digest the word, you will find that it is bitter and sweet. True. And if you're here, and you go to another church, you're visiting from out of town or whatever. If you're a Christian, you make sure that the church, the pulpit, is teaching you the sweet and the bitter word. Because that is balance. And that is what the Bible teaches. The bitter and the sweet. People love the sweet stuff. Oh, they love it. They don't like the bitter stuff. When you're watching TV and Compassion International comes on, you know, the starving kids and, and, and you're just not ready for that. So you take your remote control and you click, turn another station. People do that with the word of God. People do that in church. People do it in worship. People say, well, you know, I don't want to hear about sin. Click. I don't want to hear about repentance. Click. Hell. Click. Demons. Click. And they tune you out. Because they don't want that which is bitter. We only want the sweet. Now, I don't have time for this verse, and I wish I had all three services. I just don't have time. But you should write this down. In Revelation chapter 10, verse 9, write this down in the margin, okay? Because it's a parallel verse that you want to go home and do your homework with. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 9, through chapter 3, verse 3. Write that down next to verse 9 in Revelation chapter 10. Ezekiel had a bitter belly and he had di after he had digested the word and ate the word and he found himself witnessing and sharing boldly. 
And initially he was afraid to talk about the Lord and how and just afraid to share the Lord. And now after he ate the word is an interesting story. Read it in your own time. He had no choice. After he ate the word, he had no choice. The bitterness in his belly motivated him to share the truth. And that's what happened with John in verse 11. Notice John had eaten it and it was sweet to taste and bitter in the belly. And notice verse 11. And he said to me, you must. You see that? Prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues and kings. God said you must prophesy because many before many different people. Now, this word must very important word for you to understand. The word must. It's not like you better prophesy. It doesn't have that context. It doesn't mean like you better preach. You must preach. You must prophesy. You better. The idea here is that you're going to have to preach. You will have no other choice. Like Jeremiah who said there was fire shut up in my bones and I had to go preach. I had no choice because it was in me and I had to go. It carries with it that context. You've eaten the book and digested the book and now you're going to be compelled. You must compelled to preach. You know, I heard that chocolate satisfaction was on sale at Harris Teeter, two for one. And I must go there. And I must get me a half gallon, its sweetness to my taste. And it will be bitter to my stomach after I finish eating the whole thing. That's kind of the idea here. John says, you must go. God says, you must go. John, you've eaten the book. You must preach. It's going to be stirring in you. You won't be able to just sit there. You must. You see, the word that was sweet becomes bitter, and the word that was bitter becomes sweet. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. There's bitterness and there's sweetness. It's sweet to think that the Lord is going to return and deliver us Christian folk from this earth. That's a sweet thing to think about, that we're going to miss out on the tribulation. I'm not going to be here because God has not appointed me to wrath. That's sweet, but it's also bitter when you realize that people that you know, people that don't know God, people that have never given their lives to Jesus Christ, this is bitter that they're going to be here. That book of Revelation is all about bitter and sweet. John, eat the word. John, after chapter 10, you got to go back. We'll continue on with this revelation of what is to happen to the planet Earth. Listen, if you are not here over the last several weeks, I encourage you to get the CDs. You can order CDs or order tapes, not because we need to increase sales in the CD ministry or tape ministry, but because this is important. This book is important. I do believe it is by far one of the most important books I've taught because it's very important because if you don't know Jesus, then, then you're going to be here. And the least you can do is have a couple of CDs and a couple of tapes. If you can't afford them, you're not a Christian, you can't afford them, go back there and tell them I said give them to you anyway. 
because I want these to be in your hands. Because should the Lord Jesus come tonight as a thief in the night, he comes as a thief to those who are not expecting him. And should he come tonight and you don't make it in the rapture, listen, pop in the CDs and just keep going. Just keep going. There's a whole bunch of them, but just keep going so you can know what to expect next. Listen, I'm not making this stuff up. I could, this is too good for me to make up. <laughs> Say amen, y'all. This is too good for any man to make up. This is God's word. It is either true or it is not. It is God's word. It is true. Do you know him? Are you a Christian, really? Are you a Christian today? Have you made a commitment to Jesus Christ? And if you are a Christian, are you really living for the Lord? Are you really walking with him? Or are you playing games? Stop. Stop. While there's still time. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.